Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym, and what I like to do here on the pod is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to talk about sex and sexuality with me. Today, we've got a lovely guest back, back, back again to the mic. Please welcome everybody. Okay, get ready for this. Artist, performer, comedian, and clown, Melissa G. Hi. Hey, Mel. <laughs> gosh I, I sound important am I no anyways believe it <laughs> yes I am important yeah I was so happy um that you were interested in coming back on because I loved our last talk mm. I had someone I had a, a dear friend um you know just asking me who's on the pod this week and I was like ooh, ooh, ooh. we talked about like body image um we talked about like uh putting you know thirst traps out there taking sexy selfies Mm -hmm. and how that feels and um so much cool stuff I think we talked about a bit about like your performing stuff as well Mm -hmm. but like I was so excited to sit back down with you because I loved all those topics last time oh thanks so much I mean I remember too like the the theme of shame was kind of weaved into so much of what what the conversation was around and I was so excited to to come back and I mean I I I don't remember exactly how long it's been but I want to say it's at least a year and a half feels right yeah and I'm you know just before we we hopped on the recording I'm like my goodness how much life has changed even just since then uh so yeah I'm excited how much has life changed? What have you been up to? Any Anything specific happen that like has changed your trajectory? Yeah, I would say that, um, so just coming back to the photos and like, you know, yeah. taking really great photos of oneself. And one thing that kept going was um, how I use photos like um, to make points essentially. And it's, you know, the clown in me, but also very much like a Buffon in me that wants to challenge like what people are thinking uh, with those kinds of posts. Mm -hmm. So I just want to sort of like whatever people want to post, however they want to take pictures of themselves, by all means, there doesn't have to be anything deeper than that. You look hot, you want to document it, go for it. Yeah, Um, I definitely do that. Um, What I what I ended up doing, though, was I curated a uh, a number of those photos that I posted specifically during the pandemic on my old Instagram page. And I did an exhibit. Um, I did, it was like a retrospective exhibit specific to the pandemic and like documenting growth and isolation coming out. Um, like it was just fascinating, even just for me, like I know they're photos of me, but Uh, sometimes I can forget like I can take for granted how much I've grown or changed unless I've either written it down in a journal or like have photos I can go look back on and um, I just remember how closed and scared I felt at the beginning of the pandemic and just to see that change and still changing now um, it was very liberating and Uh, So I got to do it in Montreal in October of last year and I just recently did it in Toronto in June and for pride yeah yeah it was for pride it was just it felt very serendipitous because i was supposed to do it in december of last year but it didn't work out and it just so happened the space was available i had time to do it and it all came together and um it just felt like the isolation that i experienced not just during the pandemic but like feeling so alone in my experiences coming into my sexuality accepting it um, like releasing all of the shame I had around sex mm-hmm. um, and connecting with people through those photos and them feeling comfortable sharing with me some of what their experiences have been. It's just, it was magic. It's such a gift. So that's one big thing that, that came out of it in the last year and a half. 
what was um, some of the feedback you got from your exhibit? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking of one specific experience where, so in the exhibit, there's a piece where I'm, um, it's black and white photo. I am lying on, on my floor and I'm hugging, like I'm holding myself. I'm nude, but I'm holding myself and uh, as if I'm hugging myself. And the, the writing that accompanies that is a love letter to myself. And this piece was created when I went through a really difficult friendship breakup. And I had never experienced a friendship breakup like that. Like it was devastating to me uh, as deeply as I had experienced in romantic situations when they ended. And so, you know, I wrote this love letter to myself and that's part of the exhibit. And I think it got the most feedback because at least two people, um, now that I'm remembering at least two people came to me one in montreal and one in toronto that i remember um that said like it's so beautiful that you can speak to yourself that way like Mm. what what a good reminder like maybe i should talk to myself that way and i mean it went deeper like somebody ended up becoming emotional and crying and allowed me to be present for them in that moment um wow yeah it was very powerful and and some of the feedback was like, why don't, you know, why don't I tell myself that I love doing, you know, I love cooking or that I think I'm a really good friend or it's just so interesting how we speak to ourselves or how we, especially I would say like people that have been socialized as women, um, like it's almost like we're not allowed to like ourselves uh, openly and outwardly. so that was, I would say, the most powerful experience. And like, that's all I think any artist can hope for, right? Is to connect with other people. And um, yeah, so that that's one that stuck out for sure. Yeah, and also like, yeah, um, make people think, make people feel all of that stuff. So it sounds like you did exactly that. Congratulations. It sounds Thank like you. a really amazing exhibit. Thank you. I mean, it's, you know, coming back to this idea of like, um, at least from my perspective, I definitely grew up, um, and I might have shared this in the last pod, uh, last episode we recorded. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up with a lot of like shame. I grew up uh, grew up Catholic, uh, which very much still informs like um, some of the things I'm trying to unlearn, especially when it comes to shame and taking up space. Mm-hmm. And um, so even feeling like, was I even allowed to create a self-portrait retrospective exhibit? Like, would I be perceived as this like narcissistic person who just wants to show off all these photos of herself? Um, And what I realized is like, that wasn't my voice. And I'd like to thank my therapist, shout out to my therapist for, (laughs) (laughs) for like um, uh, asking me many years ago when I would like be really hard on myself in sessions she'd stop me and she'd be like, when this comes up for you, ask yourself whose voice is that? And more often than not, it's not mine. That's a great question. Like Mm -hmm. that's whose voice is that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Wow. Yeah. So it's still going, you know, every time I'm like, well, I want to take this very sensual, sexy picture of myself and maybe I want to post it even And I'm sure people that follow my page think I'm like the most confident, self-assured person. I am confident. I am self-assured. But there's absolutely still those moments just before that I'm like, who do you think you are? Like, why are you doing this? And I have to, I have to reflect. Like, wait a minute. Is that really what you think? Like, where is that coming from? So, yeah. Yeah. I had a, um, there's a, I have a friend of mine who's been on the pod a couple times as well. And her Instagram um, wife, Bay Ray, she does like sex education stuff. She's a public speaker and sexuality in those fields and stuff. And she often posts, yeah, like, um, you know, um, beautiful pictures of herself, you mm-hmm. know, a- accompanied by, you know, um, some sort of information, edu- educational information or like, yeah, a moment where she's sharing and one recently because it looks so professional. It's curated so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had one post recently was that that just talked about what it takes for her to get there, like to get mm. to that picture that's so perfect. 
and yeah to accompany it with like the perfect thing and um just yeah giving us a glimpse behind the curtain right because that's important to see also of like um the journey she's on with her body Mm -hmm. image right and Mm the just even the fact that letting people know it's social media so it's curated right like there are lots of pictures that I went through to get to this one that Mm -hmm. I was like nope nope Mm -hmm. nope absolutely not and it took me forever to write that caption like you know there's just the idea that there's like so much more nuance like we're human beings right exactly Um, I'm not this like yeah if anyone sees it and wish is like oh I wish I could be that confident I wish it could be that beautiful because they just take those assumptions sure from a, a social media account like that right it's like right. she's like I'm not you know I didn't love every picture I took of myself you know I had self-doubt I was self-conscious when I posted it you know I you know I'm working on all of this like all of you are and that mm-hmm. I feel like that was a really important post to make yeah and I mean I think that's a wonderful approach to take um I have a pretty small following and that's by that's by choice mm-hmm. um, because of how personal I get on my Instagram and what I'm realizing like helps me because I'm pretty introverted. I'm um, as much as I perform and I love being on stage. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I very much relate to I can't believe I'm saying this, I, uh, but I very much relate to like when Beyonce went through that Sasha Fierce period and she would talk about how like it was that like character. Alter ego. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It's like this alter ego and. Like, I definitely feel like I tap into that when I get on stage, but I'm very introverted. I really like my solitude. Um, I find that, like, being alone and kind of being bored helps my creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sometimes when I'm craving that connection, that's often how I'll use my Instagram is uh, I don't always have the energy to engage in a, with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. But it's one way that helps me feel like I'm not isolated. Um, yeah, it's reaching out, right? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so the more, you know, if people have the capacity to to show themselves or be vulnerable, which I feel like I'm getting much more comfortable with, like mm-hmm. I'm much less afraid of getting it right. Like I'm trying to give myself grace to be like, hey, your mind can change. You might post something and you might feel like this on this particular day and a year from now you might feel different it's fine like you i'm trying to give myself that space to grow um so all that said like with the smaller following i think it just helps me to i guess keep it a bit more quote unquote real in social media um yeah because it is scary when you kind of like put yourself out there sometimes um, but I'm trying to push back against that fear because my gosh, the rewards of connecting or the rewards of people reaching out and yeah. Relating. So, so what, um, so, you know, if you're saying you're craving like a type of connection, so what ideally are you looking to get back from making posts like that? Like what makes you feel good? What are you looking for? Um, when you're looking for that connection thing? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Oh, well, give it up for Aaron, everybody. <laughs> I know that's often some something people say when they're stalling to think of an answer. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll accept it. <laughs> no, I genuinely am trying to be like, she's really good at what she does. <laughs> but that's fine. Called out. Whatever. I have an answer for you now, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, we've amped for long enough. <laughs> okay, so my answer is which I had before I said anything else. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so what I think, so this is the, so this is pretty vulnerable to share. Okay. So it actually is rooted. Thanks, therapy. It is actually rooted in um, some traumas. Uh, believe it or not, because I've been through some things in my life that I'm not going to share in this podcast. Um, And having kept these things inside and having to keep them inside to survive (laughs) um, uh, really is the motivating factor. And I've been able to connect the dots with like wanting to reveal the truth. I think that's why I'm so drawn to Clown as well and to Buffon because there's something so healing about just 
being like, here it is. This is the truth. I'm not going to sit alone with this anymore. And I don't want anyone else to feel alone with any of their shit anymore. Because I recognize in some of the posts that I share, um, people may not feel the same comfort. They may not have the same support system. They might not have the tools to when they do, or like, for example, um, I guess a content warning, uh, it's a, a, what I'm going to talk about is about sexual harassment. I'm not going to go into detail, but it happened. And I, uh, this was in June and I, I, I posted about it because I didn't want to feel alone and I needed people within my community online who are also part of my community in real life to be present for me. And that's so new for me because when I would go through difficult experiences as a younger person, um, and by younger, I mean like anytime before the age of like 35, mm-hmm. um, I would just keep it in. I would feel too much shame to talk about it. But now I feel like I'm at the stage where I'm not really afraid. Like the worst that can happen has happened. So like if I can't change the things that have happened, maybe I can bring some um maybe i can lessen the feelings of aloneness in someone else that might be reading it even if they don't like the post they don't comment on it i have no idea right like if, if people yeah, you are don't seeing know it, who sees it yeah you don't exactly. but it could bring healing to someone else and it's also healing for me uh so that's a very long-winded answer but it is it's rooted in like trauma and feeling like i i don't want to keep it i don't want to keep it in i don't want to hold it anymore you know especially if it's not mine to carry i don't want to hold it anymore yeah. so yeah Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think that's so, uh, it's an interesting thing you brought up that like, you're like, you know, people post, uh, you know, selfies, sexy selfies, nudes with thirst straps, whatever, uh, you want to call it like for a variety of reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I think it's important to talk about, you know, that because people make assumptions for sure. I think, for right? For sure. Yeah. Like this person, like you said about being like a narcissist, right? This people right. just wants attention or mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like we, I can speak for myself for sure that what it's given me too is like a reclamation of my body, a reclamation of my image, reclamation of like my voice, Um I can't remember if I talked about that piece like of reclamation in the last episode, but it's still very much ongoing Um, that it's like in the fighting against like, oh, who does she think she is? That little voice that comes in my head. Right. The posting is the fighting back against it. It's like, well, this is who I think I am. Mm -hmm. This is who I am. This is my body. This is my voice. Um, Like. And I'm going to do with it what I want to. And if exactly. I want to take a picture of it and put it online and share it with people. Then I'm going to do it. Then I'm going to do it. Yeah. Because it's my body, my choice, baby. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it's definitely not to shame anybody who might have like those knee jerk reactions of being like, oh, why are they posting all of these like sensual photos? Like people are going to, we're all conditioned. We all have our experiences. Like it's so complicated and nuanced. Right. But my yeah, hope is that mm-hmm. a lot no, of no. us carry that shame that you were mentioning, right? Like from whatever we, we, wherever we came from. Yeah. It's like something that's very common throughout. Yeah. Just living life. <laughs> anywhere you know under any religion in any culture it's something that is very pervasive like across the board so yeah yeah, people bring that to you know how they view social media for instance exactly they bring that yeah exactly and you know um i mean so i just recently came back from a a trip to italy um so Yeah, for those listening, my background is Italian. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, like, there was a going just going back to the exhibit really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, The like centerpiece of the exhibit was um, very, I think, um, I think they're actually just very beautiful photos. It's not because it's me, I just think that they came out really beautifully. but essentially I'm like, it looks like I'm wearing a habit and I'm wearing, you know, burlesque tassels on my nipples and I'm wearing like tap shorts. Mm -hmm. And that 
those photos accompanied a post around critiquing legislation that got rejected in Italy back in 2021. It was something called the Zan Bill. I won't get into it, but on this trip to Italy, like I'm so aware of how Catholicism, you know, growing up in the culture of like Southern Italian, being Southern Italian, because my parents were immigrants. Going back, I took photos of everywhere I could find where there was like the Madonna and baby like uh, the Virgin Mary and baby Jesus, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. Like they are at their statues. There's like mosaics in the wall of an apartment building. Like they're everywhere. And so I took as many photos as, uh, you know, of what I saw. And it's sort of brewing another artistic project that I have because of how even subconsciously this idea of like, I'm using the word I'm using just in the context of uh, like, academia but like the madonna horror kind of complex mm-hmm. was that okay to use that word in this context absolutely okay yeah that um, is a that is a thing that's the thing <laughs> yeah and, and like really it's just been this thing i've been breaking down for as long as i can remember um but it's yeah it's everywhere it's everywhere like and how has that subconsciously affected me and how i've either taken on the role of one or the other as opposed to it being like a combination of the fullness of someone's identity mm-hmm. like why can't uh why can't I be all the things um and that's kind of the stage that I'm at now so coming back a nice little nice little callback to the beginning of the podcast what's changed you here and a half <laughs> is um is that than I, Madonna <laughs> right <laughs> yeah we're not this is not a plug for Madonna everybody um although I had tickets for her concert and sadly it got postponed anyways different topic different, different topic Madonna, different Madonna. <laughs> um I'm so sorry oh my gosh anyways anyways it's just been something that I've been coming to like I saw a friend yesterday and she described my current era as like um, I'm exploring like the erotic side of my life like I'm in this erotic sensual kind of single era and I was like yes thank you so much I feel so seen I am recognizing my era thank you (laughs) Um, I'm like I'm just gonna use that now if that's okay with your permission to describe the era I am currently in the era Um, of eroticism I love it like it's so liberating it is so fucking liberating and I can't remember if I mentioned this last time but so I'm turning 40 this year at the end of the year Mm -hmm. I just turned 40 oh my god Gosh, yes! <laughs> welcome. Bring it on. Yes, well, happy belated. Yeah, thanks. Happy um, um, early. Yeah. Early. Yeah, super early. Yeah. It's, we're all the way at the end of the year. Um, but that said, I used to have so much fear. That wasn't my fear. It was like all this shit that's been fed to me. Yeah, again, that, whose voice is it? Exactly. Around like desirability, around like, you know, am I gonna have the kind of sex I want to have? Am I gonna keep exploring my queerness in the way that I want to? All those things, like, mm-hmm. there is no deadline for me. Um, and that's probably the best thing about being at this stage is that, like, yeah, like, I am meeting people and I am much more free in my exploration and being able to talk about things. Um, just being that. open. Yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah, I think um, people were asking me that too. Like, they're like, ooh, 40, you know, how do you feel Mm -hmm. about it? Do you carry any, you know, stuff about turning 40? And um, yeah, I'd love to say no. And the answer is mostly no, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, However, yeah, I think because of the work that I do, honestly um the fact that i truly believe you can't like age out of this industry Mm -hmm. um is so helpful and i think um the way my uh i've progressed in this industry thus far for like the last you know whatever decade let's say at this point um you only become more desirable because you have more experience, uh, you have more skills. Um, I mean, specifically within femdom, it's mm-hmm. like, um, 
even the age thing is a positive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if somebody, most people that come to you are submissives. So the desire is that you're, you know, more than they do. You're more experienced. You're, you know, a goddess. You're, um, you know, that, that it's actually attractive that you're older and that they're younger and, you know, you need to teach them and train them. Like that's a very desirable fantasy and dynamic, Mm -hmm. like power dynamic Mm -hmm. to have someone that's older. So like, I think that's really given me a lot of confidence. Like if I look forward and I kind of think about my, just even how I will exist in my work, Mm -hmm. because that, that's something you come up against with this type of work that's very aesthetic based, right? It's beauty based. It can be right. On the surface, but there's so much more to kink and, you know, uh, being a professional kink facilitator than that. But I think that is um, people that are outside this industry. That's what people would assume that like, oh, well, when you the beauty fades, you know, then you won't be able to do this work anymore. So that's something I've had to kind of fight against because mm-hmm. I truly don't think you can age out of this industry. But once again, there is that little voice in there, isn't there, mm-hmm. of like, well, you know, all the beautiful pictures you post and all of this on the regular, because I do that too for my work socials. Mm-hmm. You know, how long are you going to be able to do that for and get the response that you want, meaning right. people booking you and stuff? Right, right. It's so fascinating that you shared that. Um, thanks knew, for sharing. I knew that. you'd like it. I yeah, I loved it. It's on theme, it's very on theme. The Bedpost Podcast is sponsored by Come As You Are. Founded as a worker-owned cooperative, Come As You Are has a fundamentally anti-capitalist and feminist approach to sexual pleasure, health, and education. Come As You Are doesn't profit from your pleasure and only stocks products that they truly love and believe in. Come As You Are has been voted best sex shop in Toronto since 1997. Check them out at comeasyouare.com or 254 Augusta Avenue in Toronto's own Kensington Market. We are also sponsored by Club M4 Toronto. Club M4 is the largest sexually charged lifestyle club in the GTA. And now you can go to their website, www.clubm4.com, but one of my favorite things to do is to go to their Instagram events page and see what they've got going on. Scrolling through here, threesome Fridays, sexy plus size play party, buy pleasure party, and fetish fantasy hosted by Empress. If anything looks interesting and you want to check it out, head on down to Club M4 at 1989 Dundas Street, Mississauga. I think my mind is spinning because, um, well, I'm not working in that field anymore, but um, I don't work in the kink field. I don't work in the field that you work in or the industry that you work in. Um, But I've often wondered, like, how much we do kind of have to perform mm-hmm. the whether it's youth i'm trying to choose my words carefully so people or listening. femininity femininity yeah, that, yeah. Oh, i can't even say that word it's okay femininity, femininity. i got you i got you <laughs> um I, like all of this that i'm saying is literally coming up so if it's not super clear i'm sorry but i'm gonna try to get it clear mm-hmm. i just wonder too because this is something i struggle with how much do we how much does our acceptance as aging, quote unquote, aging people, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, you know, for women and femmes who are aging, like, does it depend, does our acceptance or our continuity depend on how well we can perform the perception of youth and beauty? Because like some people don't think I'm my age. There's a yeah. lot of people that don't think I'm my age. Same. Right. And yeah. it's like, I think I'm having to reflect in the moment right now how much of me feeling good about 
you know, being 39 going on 40 is because, because I can still, I still look young. Yes. Yeah. I can pass as a younger person. Yes. I can pass. Right. Ooh, yeah. Right. Like I've, I'm just kind of sitting with that. Um, because even, I think one of my biggest fears was going on dating apps, right? You got to put your age on there and it's right. like, okay, well, this number is not going to probably match the face that you see. Mm-hmm. And so there's been apprehension, um, more so with, so I'm bisexual and uh, I would say it's more so with like maybe cis men that I match with as opposed to um, like women, uh, non-binary people, trans people that I might connect with online. I don't know how much, uh, again, it's like the conditioning of like catering to men my entire life. That yeah, it's, it's like male oh. gaze stuff yeah. that we're coming yeah. up against. Yeah. yeah, totally. So, I mean, I haven't experienced anything super negative around my age by any means uh yet but it's something i think about i'm like what's gonna happen when that number changes to 40 in december mm-hmm. if i'm still on the apps like you know it's almost like when you go to the oh god i can't believe i'm using this analogy when you go to the grocery store and you see like 3.99 you yeah, don't think like four dollars right versus four dollars <laughs> right it's like it does something psychological to your brain yes yeah yeah That's so funny yeah. So, I mean, I don't know what it's going to do, but... Um, yeah, it is interesting I, to me in my work of, like, um, this thing of sometimes I am perceived as older, and that is interesting to me, because my whole life I've always looked younger. It's mm-hmm. always been the thing of, like, no one's taken me seriously because I look like a girl, you know, okay. throughout my life. So I've always battled against that. And here's kind of the tipping point, I think, at 40 of, like you know, maybe I am noticing some ways I look for my age, you know, right. Um, And it's interesting with the work I do, because like you, I you've been, I get like the requests of like, an older woman, you know, that's part of the fantasy that they're weaving into whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's a retired police officer, and he's a cop, by the way, but Mm -hmm. um, she's a retired police officer, you know, and uh, has asked this young man to, uh, to come over and like, do whatever, I don't know, I was like, an old security guard, like, I haven't gone like, you know, I, I think, it's interesting this this thing with MILF also, also if we're yes. talking about like fetishization of this age yes. of a mother or of a, you know an older woman um, getting those MILF requests um, and like when I think of that it's so funny because like you know people can mother in their 20s people can mother sure. in, you know 20s 30s 40s like whatever right yeah yeah um, forward to like you know much older you can mother Mm -hmm. um and it's interesting just like kind of finding my niche because even my dominant persona is like playful and energetic right so I kind of bill myself as like um if we're going with an archetype you know a woman archetype then I'm Mm -hmm. like I'm like the babysitter I'm the like Mm. or the bratty older sister that's kind of my style playful dominant and like yeah so it's interesting now I don't know if I have much you know much to dissect about it but I'm like getting those older woman requests I'm like okay maybe I am entering my older woman era yeah 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 I mean I I think I just read a post yesterday uh around like MILF and like breaking Mm -hmm. that down and how I think one of the I, from what I remember, uh, one of the things that stood out was, yeah, coming back to the fetishization and like objectification of older women from the male gaze. And yes. that it's like, it instead of looking at an older woman and remembering she has agency also to choose and that she's not just there to sort of fulfill that male gaze, um, I just found that super relatable. Um, relatable in that I think just coming back to like again being conditioned to just meet the needs of the male gaze and rejecting that but it's like well I mean people as they age still have sex like older Mm -hmm. people have sex like it's it it's so hard between like the for me anyway as I'm exploring my sexuality um, 
and even like you know exploring kink and like fetishes and like just things that I want to explore the line between um like fetishization that objectifies someone and fantasy where like you're still keeping the wholeness of that person intact but you're engaging in like some of these ideas I don't know if that makes sense yeah at all um but it's like if for example if somebody's wanting to fulfill like a quote-unquote mill fantasy with me right. let's say like I for me it's important to know that it is rooted in fantasy as opposed to this person is like rooted in fantasy that's consensual like oh we're playing a game here we're playing like we're role-playing here as opposed to I only look at you as this like milf character and you're gonna take care of me and you're not a person beyond that Um, yeah I think it's like how I think of it is like it's the fantasy reality disconnect that happens often um yeah where people approach you based on thinking yeah you're that one thing and they're fetishizing that one thing and they want that one thing so that's what they're leading with and that's what they're interested in and that's where it ends really Mm -hmm. um or like with dating stuff, you know, it's like, I, I think of it as like, is it person first dating? Or is it some other thing that you're leading with, like mm-hmm. trying to find, you know, someone to start a family with you? Right. Trying to find, yeah, trying to fulfill, you know, if you are a kinky person, a lot of people are trying to fill that. They're trying to find a dom. Right. Okay. Right they're trying to find but whatever fetish you want to slot in there mm-hmm. it could be milf you know they're trying to find they're trying to fulfill their fantasy versus doing person first dating of like you're i think most of us would probably prefer that like we're connecting with the person and then we're as you said like then we're consensually opting into whatever fantasy we're gonna put onto that or we're consensually opting into like whatever this relationship dynamic is going to look like it's very important and like I sense the difference so fast at this point like I have those super seeing through bullshit uh 40 year old eyes at this point (laughs) It's very easy. It's too easy to spot. You know, I mean, I, I'm i so grateful that you're talking about this because, A, those eyes are wonderful, and I'm glad They're that they have, eyes. like, you might need reading glasses, but that, like, see-through oh, vision. Oh, oh, Mel. Oh, Mel. I've worn glasses my whole life. Right. Only but- recently, like, this year. My optometrist was like, so... No! <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, we can't correct both with these lenses anymore. And and honestly, they told me, we haven't corrected your full, like, far vision for a while. Because then you'd have to have two different pairs. Like, like they're like, we haven't done that for a while. Because at mm. one point, I'm like, I cannot fucking see when I'm outside. Oh. And they're like, well, that's because it's not corrected for your full vision. Because you need to be able to see your phone. And I'm like... How is this happening? And I didn't even consent to it, first of all. <laughs> and second of all, how long have I needed reading glasses for? Jesus oh Christ. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It was almost as if your eyes, like, let, let's create a comedy scheme. Let's just do a little bit right now. It's like your eyes were just, like, waiting. They're like, oh, oh June's around the corner. We're yeah. going to fuck shit up for Aaron. And Honestly. she won't be able to see. Honestly. Oh, boy. You know, I'll send you a post after this uh, recording that I did. I think it was two years ago. I made a joke about how like bifocals, like I'm going to need bifocals eventually because I wear glasses as well. And um, I did like a joke where I drew, they look like smiley faces. And so like you will basically have smiley faces on your glasses moving forward. And I think that's, yeah, happy eyes, happy eyes, happy 40th. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go with a smile on our face and our eyes. Um... Yeah, anybody yeah. else who's listening who can relate to the changes in bodies and vision and everything as we age, like, it, I think sometimes it can be a really beautiful thing, and other times it's like, ah, this is what my mother was talking about. I get it now. <laughs> and you know what's funny? When you talk about, like, if we're talking about gendered stuff of, like, people who are cultured feminine and um, how that would affect you when right. you're getting older and all of this stuff, right? Because um, we have a very, very different specific experience Mm -hmm. and like I usually date older also so Mm -hmm. like when I see an older man 
grab his reading glasses. I'm like, that's sec- like that's sexy to me. Yes. When I see the silver streaks, you know, in men's hair, like that's fucking hot. And yeah. like, you know, that's a huge thing of like I even saw a post recently where it was like they're talking about the cover of whatever magazine and they talked about the way women are photographed versus the way men are photographed and like men always have that you know that like Zoolander look where their head is like, their forehead's a little scrunched right yeah like yeah. there's kind of a pouty look and there's yeah. a lot of personality lines um always right and then women have to have be like stone-faced like they yep. can't have their head scrunched or their anything any lines right Mm -hmm, they have mm -hmm. to just be so poised in in this elegant like doll-like kind of pose whereas men can have so much personality you know specifically like lines in their face and stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is just yeah yeah. I mean, uh, if like, I if I can choose a word for it, it's garbage. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, it's derelict. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen Zoolander many times. What? Yeah. Uh... It... <laughs> oh my gosh. You know though, I have to say, like, okay, so when I went to when I was on this trip in Italy, we went to a, a wedding, and um, on my dating profile, I just whatever the default is, I actually don't even change it. it I think it goes from I want to say forty two down to thirty. So I'm like, all right. And uh, I don't know if subconsciously I was like, oh, you know, I want to keep my options, options open, open, and yeah, just to see like who I meet, because I don't ever want to make assumptions that like I don't want to be assuming just because someone's younger or older that one is more emotionally available than the other or that we're going to be on the same page like I mean my gosh I feel like this third queer adolescence I'm going through or second adolescence I'm going through right now is teaching me like people are at different stages at different ages yeah age is literally just a number and doesn't mean literally anything yeah boy I've met some I date older and I date older you know because usually I mean, even at 50, men are, men can be total children and people of all genders. I won't, you know, that's very stereotypical men because it's true. But however, (laughs) people of all genders can be, yeah, yeah, just different developmental. They've got their stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We all have such different experiences. Yeah. There's some commonalities for gender stuff, but like we all have very specific, very nuanced very personal experiences with all this mm-hmm. stuff so mm-hmm. age is not yeah not yeah an indicator. it's it's not um yeah. I will say though that I think I got maybe like a little I don't know if, I don't think it's a rude awakening but I think I got uh I became reflective because I'm like why don't I change my profile age range to older than 42 like what is right. what's stopping me like and I, I just, it wasn't anything I had reflected on, but when we were in Italy, um, I just found myself like there were so many people that I was attracted to, uh, particularly like cis men who were older, visibly older. And like, I was like, Oh, maybe I need what's to, this? yeah, what's going on? Maybe <laughs> I need to change that age range on hinge. Um, and I think the reason why I'm bringing it up is because it was like, I had to challenge my own kind of ageist internalized stuff. Right. Around like if I'm keeping my uh, options open to younger people, is that because I feel like I either need to, you know, make up for lost time um, because of whatever my previous relationships were and I didn't maybe get to date enough as much as I wanted to. All those things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was just like, why don't you? Why maybe give it a shot and see who might be out there that you could connect with and surprise me and I if it's okay I want to go back to something you brought up around the the dating and please like the the uh vision the uh clear vision that you see right through things (laughs) I feel like I so relate to that and I don't know if it's just because of the sheer number of experiences I've had in life that have kind of put my bullshit detector on high but (laughs) but I'm becoming much more assertive about saying what I need from the beginning. So what I've noticed on, like in, in my recent experiences, um, so because of just again, some things I don't wanna get into, but you know, I've got traumas around, particularly around and with cis men throughout mm-hmm. the course of my life. And 
because of that, my approach when connecting online with them is just very different. It's much more, it's just more, much more heightened, much more hypervigilant. Um, it takes a little bit more for me to be like trusting. Um, yeah. So I've just learned like, okay, y- you need to communicate where you're at and what you need as soon as possible. Front load all that information. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. And uh, perfect examples are like, so recently, I would say in the last like two months, listen, I'm, this is not a judgment, but people are horny online and I am, I am one of those people. I am, (laughs) I'm one of those people. Okay. There's no shame, no shame. But what I've noticed is that you can be horny and respectful though. Exactly. Exactly. Probably aren't. Yeah. Most have not been like, please don't send me audio of you doing things. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Ask me. Ask me first. Tell me what this piece of sound is going to be. Yeah, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not. It's not going to happen. <laughs> if I don't know what it is. Exactly. Jesus. Yeah. So uh, because of that, I, and because I'm so concerned with being objectified, like I actually had this revelation over the weekend is that there's nothing wrong with like people expressing their desire. There's nothing wrong with people saying, yeah, you know, I want to, I'm interested in having sex or I'm like curious about sex. Cool. There's nothing wrong with that. My issue is that because I've been so conditioned to like fulfill, again, that male gaze, when men express desire, even if it's like, I'm just, you know, I really, I like love talking about sex. I'm really curious. That just triggers this almost like a knee-jerk response of like, oh, well, does that mean that they expect me to fulfill it because I'm not a needs-meeting machine? Yes. And um, so I kind of, I get a bit uh, hesitant and I'm just really proud of myself because I've been trying to rewire my brain to be like, no, it's okay for people to be horny. It's fine for a man to tell you that he is interested in like connection including connecting through sex but it's Mm -hmm. the approach and um i've just had to kind of be like listen i like talking about sex too but being on these apps it's so easy especially as a queer woman it's so easy to feel objectified or reduced to my sexuality that um i've kind of had to just just put up those boundaries initially even though i love like it's hard you know it's hard to do it doesn't mean, I think it's like the the scam that is quote unquote sex positivity. It's like, right. that doesn't mean that I'm, you know, just because I put myself out there in some sort of sexual way doesn't mean like that's an invitation for you to sex to me or send me a dick pic yep. or a yep. fucking weird ass audio clip or yep. like whatever. Like that, those two things, you know, the, the one does not equal the other. So yep. it's like, yeah, I like to talk about sex, but like it has to be consensual has to be yeah. desired on my part mm-hmm. i need these things to be in place before i want to sex to you or f- feel comfortable or safe to sex to you mm-hmm. like absolutely i love i love to hear that you're like yeah i'm developing a lot of boundaries surrounding this because same i yeah. hate i like anybody going right to sexting i'm a sex worker i'm not you know i'm not shy but mm-hmm. i'm like Ew, because we haven't established any of anything. The we don't know I each need. other. Yes. Yeah. And like my yeah, and I think I'm hyper vigilant as well because I do do this for a living. Right. So it's like, is this person trying to have a free sexting session with me right now? Yep. Yep. Like I have those that spidey senses on as well for me of like this person's just trying to get off for free yep. right yep. now. Yep. Yep. And like mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's very it's just a different experience for me because I'm not a sex worker. Um, but that said, it's like, so I've been reading uh, pleasure activism by Adrian Marie Brown mm-hmm. and I wish I could quote it right now, but there's a part where she talks about like the kind of expected or like the, the sexual labor that um, like women and femmes do. I'm sorry if I'm misquoting, but it, it hit me because it's like expected to be for free. Yes. And I'm like, if I also want to engage in sexting with you, great. Then it's a mutual exchange and it's mutual pleasure. 
but oftentimes I'm not there yet. Like if we haven't met, if I don't fully know that I believe your pictures are up to date, like I don't, you are an image in virtual, like online land. Yeah. So maybe sometimes I'll want that, but that's, I think what I've had to ask myself a lot is, okay, this is what this person wants. What do I want? Like, it's yeah, fine. I like, Sorry, I like how on. you said for, for free, meaning like both for free, like they're not paying for it if they're wanting that, you know, but, but also the thing they expect free of labor yep. to be free of labor is, yep. it was the important thing. Like, exactly. Okay. What do, what do I need to do to engage like this with you? Like that's yep. never, that would never be a question we mm-hmm. would be asked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know. It's just this kind of, I think that's what surprised me so much. It's like, how, Maybe it shouldn't surprise me, but I'm just like, how? I would not ever, like, match with someone and be like, you know, uh, whatever people have said to me. I just wouldn't. And it's probably because, again, so many different layers of being conditioned to, like, be quiet and be docile and just go with it. And But I just wouldn't. I, I wouldn't think to myself to comment on someone's, like, body. Post. Uh, yeah, yeah, post or body and then reach out and what I think are like crossing sort of lines and it's like what does it take to check in you know yeah what does it take to check in that's it Uh, I mean honestly Mel even with an established partner if I get a sext I'm not into it yeah I'm like I'm doing work I'm working on I'm editing a podcast right like I'm hanging with a friend like I'm not you know what I mean yeah, like I'm you're not just, just not there. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not dropping everything to sex you. I'm not horny. I'm mm-hmm. shopping. I'm grocery shop. Like whatever, literally whatever. Um, like you could just check in and ask. Like if you're horny and you want to sext me, you could ask, and then I would probably be like, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. And I mean, I think. This is also just why I appreciate your uh, your Instagram page, too. You post, like, some amazing stories around all different topics under the sun, but especially around, like, consent and, like, mm. checking in and green flags. And I know that they've helped me, especially over the last weekend, I can say that they've really helped me because oh, I when that. I... Yeah, no, it's true. Um, because, like, I don't... Uh, it's ongoing. You know, I think a lot of us are still learning how to navigate all of these things that many of us were not taught. Yes. You absolutely. Know? And we'll we continue would... to, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um like Yeah, anyway, I just I just appreciate the openness of conversation and you know, there's that I think those clichés about like, well, I don't know if it's cliché, but how when you're communicate a boundary to someone how they respond is like speaks volumes it's huge and that also helps me to sort of establish safety with people um and yeah because it can be a temperature check it can be a way of screening right to be like hey i don't you know this is what i need to be able to do that or like you know hey not yet or like like any kind of um I want to say correction, but any any sort of redirection. Yeah, yeah. That can be a great screening tool to see yep. how they react if they're like, "Oh yeah, no worries, no problem." Yep. Um, or like hearing, even just hearing, whatever. like, so recently I had expressed to someone um, just that example I shared about, like, you know, online I can it can be really easy for me as a woman as a queer woman woman to feel objectified on these apps, and the response was like, I. Um, I can't totally understand because I haven't lived it, but I absolutely see why you would feel that way. Mm-hmm. And like that to me was already like, all right, let's continue talking. Like, yeah, it's been received. It's it feels like it's been respected. Let's keep talking, you know. Yeah. Um, One thing my therapist recently brought up with me is uh, um, to me, what's important when um, I'm communicating a boundary or whatever um, or like conflict resolution type stuff. I I need my reality to be mirrored. Mm. So that's just another way, I guess, of seeing, feeling seen or feeling heard. Yeah. Um, but like uh, validating my reality of how I experienced that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that just how you said that was a great response to that of like, 
you know, yeah, I didn't think of that because, you know, that was not my personal experience. So, um, but I get, you know, now that you're explaining it to me, I, I totally understand how you could feel that way when mm-hmm. that happened, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I think it can feel, um, maybe other people listening can relate, but when you are establishing a connection online and like, you know, can feel really magical when these pieces are floating because it can also feel like a slog. Like you're just, it, it <laughs> Mostly, can. I would say. Right? <laughs> right? Like I, anyway, I'm, I'm taking a little bit of a pause right now just because it's just too much energy. But um, I think there's also that internalized like, oh, I don't want to ruin anything. Like I don't want to ruin the connection. And it's like what I've tried to reframe is how it actually enhances the connection yeah. when you're, I've been able to just not be afraid and tell someone like, hey, this is what I need to feel good continuing the connection to feel good and potentially exploring whether it's a sexual connection or emotional or whatever it is right um so yeah it's been really uh wonderful i think for my healing and my growth and my erotic era to just be able to communicate it not worrying that it's gonna ruin things but enhance enhance the connections yeah yeah because i also see boundaries as like something of like you know, I'm bringing that person in to let them know how they can be with me, you know, and again, Mm. whether it's sexually or emotionally or like, whatever it's looking like, like, I'm letting them know how I feel safe and comfortable and happy um, to be interacted with. And I don't, I'm not going to tell that to just anyone that I don't care to interact with, you know what I mean? That I don't like, that I don't care about, whatever it is. Right. It's like, I'm telling that to you because that's like, I mean, it's an invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bid for connection. Yeah. Oh, I love that. What you just said really like kind of hit me in the heart. Uh, the part about letting people like it's a way of letting people in because I think with everything I've gone through in life, uh, that's been a real struggle. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to if it's OK with you, I'm going to take that little nugget and keep Please. it in my brain and be like, this is a way of me letting you in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This is me trying to be vulnerable with you right now, which is intimate right that's Mm -hmm. emotional intimacy Mm -hmm. me giving you that information yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh Aaron you're lovely (laughs) no you oh thanks I'll take it (laughs) take that nugget also (laughs) um here's something else that I wanted to bring up just at the end here that I know you'll probably find interesting too. Um, so not only have I, not only am I 40 this year, but all this is also this year, um, I'm suddenly fucking celiac. Oh, so, um, and that was in early January. So like right at the beginning of this year, suddenly I have like a huge diet change. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, when you change your diet, your body changes. Yep right it does it does so I'm very used to my body looking you know a specific way it's not like there have been massive changes but there's been some noticeable changes with the bot okay which is interesting when we're talking about like um how we're being perceived versus how we feel and how we want to be like authentically us Mm -hmm. versus worrying about how it's perceived. And for me, even in my work, it's that Mm -hmm. male gaze thing of like, you know, am I consumable? You know, am I attractive to, you know, am I going to be desired because it's beauty standard stuff. Right. Right. So that's also been a bit of a journey with me currently of that thing of like, Hey, no. Once again, that thing of like, hey, no, you're no matter what your body type, you're going to mm-hmm. be um, you can't body type out of this industry either. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can't age out of this industry. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you know, it's all sexy and it's all desirable, you know. Absolutely. Um, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, I'm so curious, like, aside from what you just mentioned, like what I, I guess mean, when those things come up, what what's helping you through that? Yeah, I I think like, um, honestly, if we're coming back around to like pictures Mm -hmm. and I also do like custom videos and stuff, Mm -hmm. I can see myself in pictures and I can see myself in videos and think I look good. Mm -hmm. I look really good. And that helps me kind of reflect 
how I feel because I'm like, I don't mind how my body is right now. I like how my body is right now. Mm -hmm. And I can see it reflected like in a picture or a video. Mm -hmm. Um, And to have, you know, the validation element of like other people looking, seeing those things as well and being like, yeah, you look great. Like the tits are titting. Like (laughs) you look, you know, (laughs) when I post this episode on my Instagram, (laughs) I will be quoting you You saying the tits are titting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yep. And this is all actually, the diet change also is accompanied with this fucking injury I've had too. I'm like two years into an energy and um, injury that has significantly impacted my mobility for like exercise okay. and stuff. So that's coupled. So I've put on weight. I definitely okay. put on weight. But like, I get this thing of like, it's interesting. It, it's like the, <laughs> it's like kind of a backhanded compliment. Recently, I got. I post with my friend who is Mm -hmm. very petite. So Mm -hmm. anyone looks huge next to her. I will say that. But someone, this is such an interesting comment. They said, I'm in love with the chunky one. (laughs) So. Okay. They're in love with the chunky one. (laughs) (laughs) Meaning what? Did did you respond with, (laughs) what does that mean? I think because I, quote, I think I quote tweeted and I said not the chunky one. What <laughs> crying emoji? Oh my gosh! Well, first of all, there's—I mean, you've already said it. There is all bodies, in my opinion, they're good bodies. Absolutely. Just do you know, like live, live. I love um, like soft bodies. I love soft bellies. Same, uh, same. I love um, big asses. I live. I love like. We love when juicy, the titties are titties. Juicy titties. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, I'm not upset, <laughs> but you know, Mel, I can't say it didn't affect me a little bit. It uh, didn't well, because I was like, "Ooh, wow, okay, yeah." I I mean, I know because of these factors, I've put on a bit, but now I'm being perceived that I've put on a bit, and oh, that's an interesting thing, right? Okay. Yeah, I'm like other people are noticing. I'm like, okay. That's something to process, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And like without judgment, because um, I think, uh, too, I think it's just hard to see ourselves change. Like it's yeah. not the same. It's not the same at all. But like my hair has significantly gotten grayer over the last three years, like since the pandemic started to now. Yeah. It looks blonde, but it there's a lot of white and I'm fine with it like I'm not coloring it but if people want to color their hair go for it it's just more like this acceptance of the image of who I am in my brain yeah it's always been this way yeah and now it's changing this way yeah not for the worse or better or whatever it's just an objective fact that it's changing yeah and um you know I think sometimes to there, it can be related to grief. I know for me it has been. Mm. Like, um, so I, my body shift, my my body fluctuates all the time. Like, I don't own a scale, but I go based on how my clothes fit. Yeah, And I exactly. can say, yeah, like I can say that from last year to this year, my body has changed. I went kind of, I put on weight and the weight, uh, for whatever reasons, probably all the sweating because of the freaking heat waves in Italy yeah. um, and whatever, like I've, my clothes are fitting differently. They're a bit looser now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what I'm, I think maybe this is where the body neutrality I've been trying to practice over the last few years is coming in because I'm just like, all right, well, it's changed and it's probably going to change again. And right. like, but I think it's okay to notice the changes and process that like, we, I don't know that we have to move directly from like, um, I hope we can all kind of get to that space of just like, oh, well, it's happening and it's neutral. But that's not our, that's not the reality, I think, for many people when it comes to their, body how they image. see themselves. Yeah, their yeah. body image, all of it. Like I, so I don't know. I mean, I just hope we can all just be a little bit more gentle, including you, Erin. I hope you're being mm. gentle with yourself in this whole thing and... Thank you. Yeah, honestly, I love how my body is right now. I do wish I could do more exercise. Mm -hmm. So you know what? I might do that. Get the old, get the old, literally old heart, uh, get the old heart, you know, up a bit sometimes. But 
Yeah, I'm. I am happy with my weight. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I look juicy in pictures. Like mm. I like to see that. I love that for you. I love that. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's interesting how some little comments can still. Again, whose voice is that? It's exactly. not mine because I like. I love my body. I'm happy. You know, it feels comfortable. I felt I'm actually feel real more comfortable in my body because my diet's changed for the better. So I actually feel better in my body, you know, than I have in a very, very long time. Yeah, I'm glad. But it's interesting that thing whose voice it is. It's like, well, it was that man's voice. Yeah, it's not mine. No, that man, whoever wrote that comment on his anonymous account. Why did Johnny four two five six ten four one? You know, yeah, Johnny, Johnny, stop. Okay, don't (laughs) don't do those things. Just stop. (laughs) Okay. So Mel, okay. Yes. We've been talking a lot about pictures. So yes. do we want people to follow you? Do you have things coming up that people can see your art, see you perform, all that good stuff? Um, so no need for a follow since the uh, the page is a little tiny little private one. Mm-hmm. But I will say, so I'm, I'm based in Montreal. And uh, for anybody looking to check out some wonderful comedy coming up at the end of August. There's something called Lady Fest Montreal, which is happening. Um, I'm supporting with it. Um, and uh, yeah, just I would say look out for that. So you can follow on Instagram Lady Fest MTL uh, and you can just find it Lady Fest Montreal on Facebook. But yeah, that that's the biggest thing I would say is uh, is coming up. Awesome. That sounds so cool. Yeah. For me, folks, I'm at the Lady Pim one. That's where I'm the most active. But if you must go on over to Instagram, I'm at the Lady Pim or at the Bedpost Podcast. Um, there's also a TikTok now at the Lady Pim. Uh, the Bedpost Patreon is a thing, of course. And uh, we're on YouTube as well, the Bedpost Show. Uh, next week, we'll have another fun and sexy guest here in the studio talk about sex and sexuality. Until then, Mel, get fucked. I am really trying. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.